Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. I want to begin with a question this morning. When it comes to prayer, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? In other words, when it comes to talking to God, is prayer something that is central to your life or is it something that you add to your life? Does prayer happen every day, or does prayer happen on just really bad days? If you are a person who desires to pray, or maybe honestly, if you feel obligated like you should pray, many of us do not like this question because we don't particularly like the answer. And if I'm trying to answer this question for my life, Uh, I'm going to debate it, okay? So I'm going to say something like, so who's asking? Who am I comparing this to? Whose other prayer life are we looking at? Because depending on who we're looking at may determine if it is a steering wheel or if it is a spare tire. The first person to ever ask this question was a believer by the name of Corey Ten Boone, who in her life, She dedicated to saving countless lives in the midst of the horrors of the Holocaust that was in World War II. In the midst of all the evil that she faced in those days, this was the question that she asked herself over and over again. Is prayer my steering wheel or is prayer my spare tire? Now, when I hear a story like that, I think I lean towards maybe prayer is more of a spare tire for me than it is a steering wheel. And sometimes when we think of prayer, we think that maybe for people who are doing extremely amazing things for the Lord, that prayer should be something that navigates, that's central. But for the rest of us, prayer can sometimes be just a spare tire. And that's why we're in the series that we're in today that we've been calling prayer and fasting. This is week two of the series. And this series is answering the question of how do we draw near to God because God has drawn near to us. And of course, the answer, at least one of those answers is prayer and fasting. But maybe the question for us today, for those of us who maybe prayer is more of a spare tire in our life, the thing that we bring out every once in a while, or when we're at a meal with other Christians and we're like, oh, that's right, I should pray, I should pray. How do we move from prayer just being this spare tire to being the steering wheel 
that navigates our whole life. As we come to church this morning, I wonder if there's people who find prayer difficult because your only motivation is you feel obligated. I wonder if there are those who come to church today who find prayer difficult because it's difficult in the outcomes that have happened when you did it, or it's difficult to measure just the progress of it. And I wonder if there's anyone who finds prayer difficult because of the difficulties you're facing in life right now. This is very true of a believer by the name of Stephanie Paulsell. She had a great example of what it means to wrestle with prayer in her life. She went through a period of grieving, a period of grieving in which we would ask and pray that no mother ever has to go through. But she entered into a season of life where the day after Christmas, she lost the life that she was carrying. And she was deeply grieved. And she writes this memoir in which she walks through. She uses the words, in her depression, she was screwed to her bed, not being able to eat, not being able to sleep, and especially not being able to pray, which is actually a very common feeling to happen when walking through this. And in the midst of not being able to do all these things, there was one thing that Stephanie was able to do. She was able to call people on the phone and talk to them. And in her memoir, she says, I wore down all my friends. I would call them left and right. I would just talk their ear off. And one of the people that I would talk their ear off would be Kay. Kay would sit there and she would listen and she would listen for hours at just my grieving and my hurt that was there. And finally, Kay said, I must hang up this phone now, but I'm going to send you something. And a week later, there's a box that shows up in Stephanie's house and it's from Kay. And in this box, as she takes the box and she opens it, she finds just one item that's in the box. And this item from Kay is one of Kay's own items. It would be a dress. And it wouldn't be just any dress. It would be the dress that Kay would say for the next year, I want you to actually wear this dress. It actually came with a note and she said this, I have prayed in this dress every day for the past year when I was grieving. Now, you don't have to pray. Just wear it. The dress itself is full of prayers alone. So that's exactly what she did for the next year. She wore it and she wept in it. When in her memoir, she actually says, I opened my mouth and I could not pray words to God. But as I sat there, the dress was filled with words that I could not reach for myself. And she finishes her memoir in this season. She says, even though no words could come out, I found the dress to be a gift because it was spacious enough to gather up all my fear and all my anger and all my grief and even my hope. 
Kay's dress was filled with prayers. Even while Stephanie was empty of prayers. The gift became her long-distance prayer partner. Every time she put the dress on, words were happening, even when she couldn't even reach what those words were. And this morning, what I'm here to tell you, from these words from Paul in Romans, is that you have a gift. You have a prayer partner. You have someone who speaks words on your behalf, even when you do not have words to pray yourself. In Christ Jesus, you have a prayer partner. And here's how Paul is going to describe this prayer partner that was just brought up for us. In verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us. The hope this morning for anyone coming to church. The hope of God is that we are not alone and we are not on our own when it comes to praying in our weakness. There is a gift that is waiting for us. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is a gift indwelling in you. And when Paul describes what that gift is, he says it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is not a thing, but it is a person. It's the third person of God. Now, this is a very good time for me to pause uh, because anytime the Spirit gets brought up, it's really helpful to just have a quick check-in. I remember I had a, a friend who is still exploring the Christian faith. He's still considering it. And uh, one of the things he talks about when we have conversations uh, is he goes, I want you to be mindful of my boogly-woogly radar, okay? There are topics in the faith that just seem very boogly-woogly to me, okay? Kind of spooky, kind of mysterious. The Spirit is one of those. If you bring up the Spirit, His radar goes up. And as we've had conversations about it, it's understandable, right? We really like things like intellect, We like things like reason. We like things that are historical. And the reason for that is because all those things are controllable. All of those things we can point to and lean on. And for many of us, we would point to and lean on and honestly prefer to talk about Jesus, the historical Jesus, in the flesh Jesus, or the Father, the Creator God, but when it comes to the Spirit, for some of us, our boogly-woogly radar kind of comes up. But when Christians have talked about God, they have always talked about God in three persons. Maybe the way to think about it is like this. There is this legendary comedy sketch that has happened for a very long time. Communication courses are built over this comedy sketch. It was back in the 1940s. It's this sketch that's called Who's On First? And if you've ever seen it, or if you haven't seen it before, I'm going to play you just a clip of what 
this sketch is like. Some of you are like, yes, a throwback. Here we go. We have on our team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find and out, the guy's name. And that, uh -huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you now, want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You ain't said nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. You know the guy's I'll... name's on the baseball team. Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. <laughs> who's on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Now, wait a minute. I'm, not I'm a... asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. <laughs> When talking about God, three and one, many of the conversations feel like that, right? Like I remember growing up hearing from people like, God is one, got it, in three persons. Okay, don't got it. He is God, Son, and Spirit, okay? And in this video, you see that he's trying to describe three different players. And all three players overlap with each other. And you run into this overlap. Christians, when they have tried to describe what they call the Trinity, the Trinitarian God, they have said that God is in community. He's in relation. He is relational activity that is shared between the Father and the Son and the Spirit together. And in some ways, it's a mystery because our human words can't even ultimately capture the mystery of God's relational nature. But all three of them together equally are at work in the world. So sometimes when we think about God, we think, is it a hierarchy? Do we have like the Creator? He's the top. And then we got the Son who's in the middle. And then we got the Spirit who's at the bottom. And it would say, eh, nope, they're all three together. And you're like, okay, well, maybe the Holy Spirit, he's the helper to God, right? Nope, he's God himself. Okay, all right, maybe Jesus is man, right? Yes, yes, he is. Okay, so he's not God. No, he's also God. Okay, all right, I'm exhausted trying to figure it out. The point is, is that the Spirit of God is an equal member of who God is. The Spirit of God is active and at work, just like the Son has been active and at work, and just like God is active and at work. So maybe the question falls to, why bother with the Spirit? If we feel comfortable with the Father and we feel comfortable with the Son, why do we need the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that would be, He's an equal member of God. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence that comes to us and works through us. You know, a lot of people make different claims 
through the Holy Spirit. And it makes people nervous. And that's understandable because people have made claims that have been hurtful or just off base because of the Holy Spirit. But one of the ways to filter the activity of the Holy Spirit is just to ask, what does the Holy Spirit point us to? It's just like in this video. Every time you ask a question about one of the players, he points to another player. The whole role of the Spirit is to point you towards the Father and to the Son. So anytime someone comes and talks about the Holy Spirit, one of the activities of the Spirit is pointing to the Father and to the Son. The Spirit teaches us and helps us and prompts us and brings us before the presence of Jesus. All of us should be open to the Holy Spirit. You are created with a spirit, which means you are spirit receptive in your life. God's story does not come to you and says, look, you got it wrong. Jesus is going to come. He's going to rescue you. And now that you know, do it different. That's not, the, that's not a true and beautiful and good story. God comes to us in Jesus Christ and says, I am giving you my spirit so you can actually be able to live out the life in which I intend and plan and have for you. The Spirit doesn't leave you hanging. The Spirit brings life. And one of the places of the activity of the Spirit happens in prayer. The Spirit steps in for you when you pray. When you are active in prayer, the Spirit of God is active in interceding for you. You are not on your own, and you are not left alone when it comes to praying, which is really good news for many of us, especially for those of us who may find ourselves skeptical towards God, for those of us who may find ourselves hurt before God, for some of us who aren't sure what we believe anymore about God. There was a believer by the name of John. He's actually known as St. John of Damascene in the 7th century who just said, I'm going to define prayer as simple as possible. He just said, here's my definition to prayer. Prayer is the lifting of one's mind and heart to God. It is the lifting of one's mind and heart to God. The Spirit of God will help you in lifting your mind and heart to God. And this is good news for us because for many of us, when we go to God in prayer, we don't lift up our heart and mind to God. We tend to lift up what we think is on God's heart or mind. Or better yet, if we pray in public, we tend to pray what we think are on other people's heart or mind with God. Have you ever experienced this before? Like when you pray with other people, and when you go to pray, that person just changes on you. They're like a completely different person. Like you're like, what happened? What happened to Joe that was next to me? They started praying differently. And there's nothing wrong with just reference 
We're coming before the Creator God. But if the Spirit of God is interweaving within our prayers, we can be honest in bringing our heart and mind to God. We do not have to become the audio version of the King James Bible when we pray to God. The good news with the Spirit of God is that you can get out of your head and you can share what is honestly on your heart with God because it's not just on you. Maybe one way to think about it is this. Have you ever uh, played the game Words with Friends? I, I despise the game uh, because I always feel like my intellect and vocabulary is at ground zero every time I play. Because just note, the people who play that game long term, okay, they're vocab whizzes. That's why they're there playing the game. And every single time I used to play, it's a, uh, for those who don't know the game, it's kind of like, like, it's like the modern day Scrabble, okay? It's like modern Scrabble for the soul, okay? You, you get a couple of letters and you try to make words and you build it off and you get points, you know, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, every time I play this game, right, I will get friends who, if you get the letters like C and A, like they're going to come up with like words like catastrophe or uh, cardiopulmonary or cannibalization. And I'm over here like cat, cap, cactus, maybe on a good day, caterpillar, okay? And I'm just the type of guy that if you frustrate me enough, if you play with 15 letters across the board, I'm just not going to finish the game, okay? That's my way of getting back at you. And you're like, I thought you were more mature than that. And I, I said, I thought so too, but I'm not. <laughs> One way to think about prayer is that you are not playing words with God. Okay, you do not have to find these perfect words to say before God. God is not listening, waiting for you to say the right things that are aligned with who he is right now. So when we pray things like, you know, God, you know better than me of what I even need. God is not up there being like, I give that a seven. Okay, that's pretty strong. Or when we pray things like, you know, God bless this food to our nourishment of our bodies. He's not up there like, that's a three, okay? That, that's not original, all right? The Spirit of God intercedes for us, which means that we can just bring our hearts and mind to God, which means prayer, and this is, this is important for our tradition, prayer is not an intellectual ascent. It's not just praying these right words. It's an exchanging of the mind and heart to God and also receiving God's mind and heart to us. The Spirit of God transcends our inability to be able to pray, which means this, is that every time you reach out to God, you are reaching God. To reach for God means that you have actually reached God. God, because the Spirit takes our dissatisfactions and our questions and our worries and our groans that we have in life, and the Spirit groans beside us. Paul's actually going to say this in verse 27. He's actually, well, where is that slide? Where is that? Here we go. But that the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too, grief, too deep for words, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the, inter the Spirit intercedes for God's people 
in accordance with the will of God. When Paul reaches for words to describe God, he says, he's the searcher of your heart. That God knows you even better than you know yourself. He knows your aches and He knows your groans. He longs to share His mind and heart with what is on your mind and your heart. And just a couple of verses before that, in verse 22, He actually says, we groan inwardly. Actually, one more. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption and redemption of our bodies. There are things that are not right with the world. And it does not surprise God. Natural disasters are not right in the world. Rare diagnosis are not right in the world. Injustice of someone just because of their ethnicity is not right in the world. Hunger is not right in the world. Loss of life is not right in the world. The world groans waiting for Jesus to set things right. And not only does the world groan, but you at the core of your soul, you groan as well. When you come to church here and it feels like one more Sunday where the God of the universe doesn't exist, that is groaning. When you come to church here and you are out of breath because you are exhausted in the world, that is groaning. When many of us come because we have people who are breathing down our necks, that is groaning. And the good news for you today, when you lift up words, when you share what's on your mind and what's on your heart, the Spirit of God, the breath of God, intermingles with your very breath in exchanging what is on your mind and on your heart and what is on God's mind and God's heart. In prayer, the Spirit keeps Jesus out in front and helps us be centered in the midst of our groaning. In prayer, we get to embody what Jesus lived like. When Jesus walked through the world, he held attention of hoping and groaning at the same time. He walked through. He had moments where he was surprised. There were moments where he felt hope of people believing. He saw faith that was important. And Jesus also walked around and he groaned. He walked around the earth and he groaned when people were focused on the wrong things. He groaned when religious leaders made life hard to live and see God. He even grieved. He groaned over a city and the need for their repentance. And even in one of the most intense moments in Jesus' life, He goes to a garden where He prays, hoping and also groaning. He comes before God and he says, if there's any other way than the cross, I would like to choose that way. And then he also prays, Lord, will your will be done at the same time? Which Christians, for long, if you've ever came to church and you're like, can I actually pray for what I desire for? Or do I just need to pray that whatever is going to happen is going to happen and God's going to do it? And Christians throughout history, like Augustine, have said, Take it from Jesus' playbook. 
You can pray for what you desire and also pray for the will of God at the same time. It's how we hope and it's how we groan together. There will be forms of faith that are allergic to groaning. There will be people who say, if you have faith, you should never be a negative Nancy. You should always be positive. And if that is what faith is supposed to look like, we better rip out the Psalms real fast. Because life with God, the one that Jesus embodied, the one that we see in Scripture, is one that hopes and one that groans at the same time. And the Spirit of God, the good news about the Spirit of God is that it can hold both tensions and it can help lift you up and move you forward. There will be days, if you do not already feel it, where the groaning and ache of the world leaves you without words to pray. And the good news of God is that the Spirit of God can lift us up and help us to be able to hope. Not be positive. Not be the person who walks around everywhere and is like, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. No, the Spirit will help us in our groaning to be able to find life and to be able to carry what Jesus carried and ask us to participate in His world. There's a writer by the name of Suzanne Henderson, who says it like this, the spirit comes not as an epidural that numbs us, but as a life-giving power through which new life comes. The spirit is gifted to you, not so you can just drown out the world, but the spirit is gifted for us to be able to find life. So when the finances get really heavy, we pray and ask for the Spirit of God to intercede for us. When difficult relationships start to happen, we pray and we ask the Spirit of God to intercede for us. When we have parenting trouble, we ask the Spirit to intercede for us. Because the Spirit is loose and the breath of God can fill your lungs even when you feel out of breath yourself. So one question, just as we close, that just comes up is us just asking the question, okay, you know, I'm, I'm tracking. If, if God knows it all, all right, and the Spirit of God is working in all, why do I need to bother to take time to say words to God? And I think there's some helpful questions about the nature of God in that question. But I want to just point out what the question reveals. If you ask a question like that, it reveals that your answer is looking for God to be transactional. That God is this divine vending machine that we put in some words and we see what God is going to push out to us. And maybe what I'm asking is to view prayer differently than just something that's transactional. To view prayer differently as something that we reach for a spare tire. But what if it's an exchanging of something? There's a journalist by the name of Dorothy Day who, you know, she, she, would, she would say, I accidentally fell in love with Jesus. I had no plans, didn't really want to, captivated by Jesus, taken up with her life. And in the beginning of her faith, she felt like she wrestled with any type of ritual-like prayer. But as she grew in her faith, she also grew in her appreciation for prayer. 
Because she said, it is slowly binding me to the God who has already bound himself to me. She would make this parallel that she would say, why do you need to pray? Praying is just like how a spouse will exchange a kiss in the morning and in the evening. And some of you who are married are like, I don't exchange a kiss in the morning and the evening. But don't get lost in the point. She would say prayer is like an action of love. You know that your spouse loves you, but you still take the time to recognize and do it. From the outside looking in, it may seem menial, but on the inside, it's a ritual, which on occasion turns into a rapture of burning fire and tenderness of love. Her words, not mine. And in other words, what I'm saying is every time you go to pray, it is an act of love towards God. And it is also how you invite the love of God to propel you to move forward when we open ourselves up by praying and the Spirit intercedes for us. I'm going to invite the team to come up. Uh, I want to just vocalize. There are multiple ways uh, to do this, to take the opportunity. And one was mentioned up at the top uh, on the 30th. Uh, that Sunday, the last Sunday of the series, uh, we're going to do a quick workshop in the afternoon uh, to actually walk through what it looks like to apply prayer and fasting into your life. Uh, I want to remind you as the series goes on, there are phone screens that we're making for each week of the series. Uh, this week, the next one is up that you can put on your phone that reminds you of it. The colors change. Who doesn't love a good color change? You know what I'm saying, Sarah Tudor? And you can go, <laughs> you can go uh, to either place. So you can go online and you can download the... Uh, you can download the screen like you can go to our website. You go to sermons, click on a yellow button. It's a nice button. You can click on that button and you can get a phone screen. You can go to social media at this address and be able to have it. But I want to just end with actually inviting you to pray and giving space for the Holy Spirit to intercede in your life. So here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to ask you three questions today. I want you to just kind of sit in silence with each of those questions. I'd like to invite you to go ahead and relax. You can maybe take a posture in your chair that you feel comfortable. You can close your eyes. No one's going to come up behind you or sell you something. I'm going to ask you three questions, and I want you to answer each of these questions honestly before God. And in a moment, the team is going to sing and I want you to just take a breath in, a deep breath. The team's actually going to hold the line for a second. I want you to take a deep breath in between each of those lines as a way of recognizing that the Spirit of God is interceding for you. First question before God. What situation has been on your mind this week? What situation has been on your mind this week? Second question, to lift your heart and mind to God. 
Who has been on your heart this week? Who are you worried about? Who are you in conflict with? What friendship's coming to a close? Who's been on your heart this week? And then third, where are people hurting this week? Where does the world groan? Maybe lift up the hurricanes in Florida or Puerto Rico or the earthquakes that have happened in Mexico. Where are people hurting this week? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Deep breath. And now. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Deep breath. And out. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Deep breath. And now. Praise Father, Son, and Sing this as a prayer to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Spirit, intercede for us. We give you all the glory. Amen.